What's going on, guys? Welcome to UFC Unwrapped. I'm the host, Brent Sahadi. You can follow me on Twitter at UFC Unwrapped, and you can find the podcast on the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone uh, or Android. You can find it on your podcast app as well. Just type in UFC Unwrapped. So Twitter's been really active the past week or so. That's been awesome. Uh, I've had some interaction with Jorge Masvidal, Cody Garbrandt, Dustin Poirier, some Bellator fighters, Mike Kimball. So things are looking good on Twitter and you guys have been really active and participating, which has been awesome. I really appreciate the support. So I want to kick this podcast off because we do have a lot to cover. I want to recap the last event. Uh, Some memorable moments. I think Julio Ars, he made a huge, huge statement. He's now 16-3. and Uh, You know, he's never been KO'd. He lost back-to-back in 2015 and 2016 to Brian Kelleheller uh, by submission the first time and submission the second time. But he never lost before that. And that was like a seven-year career before those losses. Uh, His most recent loss is in 2018. He lost a split decision to Shaman Moraes, who's amazing. But I want to see him get maybe two more wins before he's in the top 15 right now featherweight is stacked i mean he was really impressive that head kick ko i'm sure you guys all saw it Uh, i have a highlight of it on twitter insane insane that shit got me out of my seat so featherweight is too stacked right now though to see him in the top 15 i want to see him uh take a couple ufc newcomers maybe and just pad his record a little bit get a, a little bit more comfortable in there in the UFC, just two more wins, maybe then give him a 10 to 15 ranked guy. Because, you know, in the, I mean, okay, 10 through 15, we're looking at Lamas, Rodriguez, Korean Zombie, Shane Burgos, Darren Elkins, Calvin Cater. Those are really, really good guys. I don't want to see Ars against those guys right now, but the future is bright for this young man. And uh, that was a fantastic performance. The next fight was uh, Ed Herman. That insane knee KO that he got was phenomenal. But as a fighter, you know, his record isn't that consistent. I wish the best for him. He put on a really great fight, but he's 38 right now. And I don't see him really climbing the rankings. I know that's not what he would want to hear because he might feel differently. And that's awesome. I do wish the best for him. He put on a fantastic fight, fantastic performance with a first-round KO with his knee, which was, I, I can't stop boasting about it. It was flush. It was perfect. But I just don't want him moving up the rankings. If he wants to keep fighting, let's get him some lower-ranked guys so he can perform. And then the standout of the evening was Michelle Pereira. Now, this was his UFC debut, and he's 25, but he's been a pro for... I think since 2011 now, his record is 22-9. and He lost via KO in December of 2018, which isn't that long ago, to Dusko Todorovic, I believe. That's how you pronounce his name. That guy's a really good boxer. He's 8-0. He's finished all of his fights. So he's the same age as Pereira. I don't really take anything away from him for that. But look, you're only as good as your last fight. Pereira got in there. He went against Danny Roberts, who's not easy competition, especially for your debut in the UFC. And he got a highlight real KO in seconds. Uh, I do want to see two to three more wins. 
out of him before they throw him to the wolves. We have potential on a new star right now. So let's not throw him to the wolves and kill him off. Let's let him build up a little bit of a resume. But once he takes a couple more fights, I'd love to see him. I mean, you know what? Fuck it. If Dana wants to do it, give him like Neil Magny or Vincente Luke right now. Those are those are two really good matchups for him. But again, I want to see him get a little bit more experience in the UFC, get a little comfortable, build some hype, and then give him those guys. Because Magny is a killer, and Vincente Luke is only outdoing his last performances every time he fights. And he looked amazing that evening as well. Uh, moving on to Charles Dubronx Oliveira. So this submission artist just got highlight real KO. Reminded me a lot of how Ortega got a KO on Edgar, even though he's known to be a submission artist. But Dubronx, I mean, man, speechless. He has losses on his record to Holloway, Paul Felder, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson, Donald Cerrone. But look, look at what he's doing to people. He's 29 years old. He has this record for the most submissions in the UFC. The ceiling is high for this young man. He's outdoing himself every fight. I'm super, super excited for him. And I really want to see him get a fight with maybe Gregor Gillespie or maybe that Paul Felder rematch. I am not sleeping on Dubronx. Neither should you. So Vicente Luke, the the guy is... Wow, I'm speechless. This guy. Five finishes in a row. Heart like you've never seen it. I'm sure you guys saw his fight with Brian Barberina. Crazy war that was. Look that up right now and watch it if you haven't watched it. If you're a UFC fan, that is a fight that you will never forget if you watch it. Please, please listen to me and watch that fight. This performance, he took a new guy. The guy took the fight on short notice and he kind of rocked Vicente early in the fight, but Vicente kept his composure separated the distance, and then got his per-usual first-round KO. He has star potential, in my opinion. I love this guy. Um, maybe give him the Neil Magny fight, or give him Damian Maya if Maya wants to come back. That might be a good fight for Maya to see if he still is in this game like he wants to be. And then there was Rafael Dos Anjos, who can't take anything away from the guy. He's been through it all. He's faced all sorts of adversity. He's looked... Really good at 170. He lost a couple fights to the top tier guys. But you saw what he did to Kevin Lee. I say give Dos Anjos, maybe Masvidal, Askren winner. So whoever wins that fight between Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren, give him Dos Anjos. Uh, I don't want to see Dos Anjos go against the top three guys, which would be Woodley, Covington, or Usman right now. Uh, maybe even Wonderboy. Stefan Thompson would be a good fight for Dos Anjos. What do you guys think about that? Let me know. So now we're going we're gonna to go ahead and break down the upcoming card this weekend. Fight night 153. So I'm not going to go over the whole card right now. But I want to go over some noticeable fights. I think the low-key fight of the night is going to be Jimmy Manoa and Alexander Rakic. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but the guy is a minus 215 over Manoa. Manoa plus 175. My thoughts on this fight is it's 
going to be a fight of the night contender or someone's going to get a knockout bonus. But look, I'm scared for Manoa's chin. I'm sure everyone else is. I'm sure that's why he's plus 175. He's 39 years old now. Uh, his competition, Alexander, is 11-1, and hasn't lost since 2011, and he lost by a submission in 2011. But his competition was worse. So... Everything we know about UFC to this day tells us that power is the last thing to go when you're an experienced martial artist. And Manuel has experienced fiercer competition than this guy. But this guy is a lot younger. I think he's 27 years old. And Manuel is still a KO artist. He's still a fantastic striker. So this is going to be a really, really good fight. Don't sleep on Manuel. He's going to put up a damn good fight. If Alexander gets the quick KO, that's what people are expecting, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a slugfest and someone gets slept in like the late second round. Could even be Manoa giving this guy his first loss. He hasn't experienced a guy like Manoa before. Uh, then there's the women's fight, Lena Landsberg and Tanya Evinger. So I believe both these women have lost to Cyborg. Lena's coming in plus 185. Tanya's coming in minus 225. I say maybe Avenger by TKO. Uh, both these girls, you know, girl fights, they usually don't have enough power to knock each other out. And I'm not even trying to sound sexist or biased, but I think this fight will probably go to decision. If not, Tanya might get a, a third round TKO. Minus 225 for Avenger, plus 185 for Landsberg. I wouldn't really bet on it. And then there's Stevie Ray versus Leonardo Santos. So Stevie Ray plus 190, Leonardo Santos minus 230. Look, this is another fight similar to Manoa and Alexander Rakic. So Stevie Ray is 29, Leo is 39. Leonardo hasn't lost in 10 years, guys. He beat Kevin Lee a couple years ago, or four years ago, I think. Kevin might have been 23, so still a credible win. But look, age gets to you. I want to believe even though he hasn't lost in 10 years, he is coming off a three-year layoff right now. I'm going to have to give the edge to Stevie, the younger, fresher guy. He's been fresher. He's been more active. Plus 190, I like his value too. If you want to throw a little money on him, it probably wouldn't hurt, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. My pick is Stevie Ray by decision or maybe a late second TKO second round Vulcan Ozdemir versus Ayer Latifi minus 120 for Vulcan minus 110 for Latifi I got Latifi by decision possibly a submission the only way to go in this fight is Johnny Walker the winner is going to fight Johnny Walker mark my words you heard it here first most likely you're going to see Latifi versus Walker, but if Vulcan gets the win, which he definitely can, look forward to seeing Vulcan Ozdemir versus Johnny Walker sometime, maybe International Fight Week, depending how this fight ends. If if these guys come out not that hurt, then you're going to see a fight pretty soon. And uh, so the final, final fight, Anthony Smith versus Alexander Gustafson. Anthony Smith plus 230, Gustafson minus 290. So, you know, Alexander has already been talking retirement after his last loss to Jones. He was saying in interviews that he didn't know if he still has the heart to, to be fighting and that if he loses his next fight, he's probably going to retire. I never like hearing that. I never like hearing that a guy already has one foot out the door. 
that's not the kind of attitude you want going in that octagon. It's not. It's no joke. I don't think Smith is even close to thinking about retirement. And Smith's a beast. Smith has been around. He might even have more fights than Gus. That could. I could be wrong, but they've both been around for a while. I would not count Anthony Smith out in this. I got Gus being the more skilled striker, but I think Anthony is gonna bring. He's gonna bring the fight. He's a dog. This guy. I'm not sure where the winner goes next. Uh, I want to say Gus might win this fight by decision. Maybe the winner should fight the uh, Jan Blockowitz versus Rockhold winner. Uh, maybe if Gustus- Gustafson wins and Santos doesn't get humiliated by Jones, if he puts up a good fight, I want to see Gus versus Santos next. If Gus is even still interested in fighting after that. All right, so uh, on my Twitter account, at UFC Unwrapped, thank you guys for all the questions that you guys submitted. I'm going to go over each of them right now. So the first question I got is from at Tessa Raisin, T-E-S-S-A-R-A-I-S-I-N. Thank you, Tessa, for your question. So your question is, who do you think has the best chance of beating Johnny Bones? I've wasted so much money on UFC tickets hoping to see that hashtag cheater finally humbled by an L, but I'm always disappointed. I want him to lose more than anyone. Who's going to be the one to defeat him? Well, Jones isn't fighting heavyweight. He said that in an interview. I think the only guy who will ever beat Jones or has the potential to beat Jones is DC. If DC comes down a light heavyweight, I can see DC getting a win if he fights like he wants to die in there. We saw the rematch. DC kind of put it on Jones in the first round. He pieced him up a little bit. He got some good shots on him. His boxing's incredible. He knows how to close the distance. His wrestling. Uh, that's that's who I see beating Jones if anyone beats Jones, but I see Jones right now being in his prime. He reminds me of like a Muhammad Ali in his prime right now. I don't see anyone beating Jones. If Jones decides to go up to heavyweight for a fight and it's not DC, I think Overeem would be a really good matchup for Jones. I think both those guys striking kind of cancel each other out. I don't know if Jones would try to take Overeem down. He might. We saw what what Blades was able to do to Overeem on the ground, but now we're comparing Curtis Blades to Johnny Jones uh, as far as wrestling goes, which I don't know if we should do that. Jones is a great wrestler, though. Anyway, those are my picks. DC at light heavyweight, if it happens, because Jones said he wouldn't fight him at heavyweight, and then maybe Overeem at heavyweight. Those two guys might have a chance to beat our pound-for-pound number one. The next question is from at Sean McLeese, S-H-A-W-N-M-C-C-L-E-E-S-E. Sean asks, will Junior Dos Santos be more or less violently knocked out by Francis Ngano than Overeem? <laughs> I like this question a lot. Uh, you know, two years ago, JDS lost to Stipe. It was a great fight. He's a great technical boxer. 
He TKO'd Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa both in the second round recently. He just needs to throw a lot of volume in the second and third rounds against Francis. He needs to stay composed in the first round and find his timing. So he kind of needs to let Francis get comfortable in there, throw a lot of heavy shots, and just avoid those heavy shots, get his timing down. And then the second and third round, he needs to be careful, but put on a clinic. Step forward, don't walk back, and throw a lot of volume. He needs to overwhelm Francis with volume. I could see us getting a late second or early third TKO from Dos Santos. Don't sleep on him. Uh, or we're going to see an early first round knockout from Francis. But I appreciate your question, man. The next question we have is from at favorite white kid. It's F-A-V-R-I-T-E and then white kid. So the question is, would you schedule Tony and Khabib again? Absolutely. Yes, I would. 100%. Not even close. But there are some safeguards and precautions they have to take this time. Justin Gaethje needs to be paid to fill in. He needs to be on standby. So it's going to be Khabib versus Tony. And Justin Gaethje is going to be right there training as if he's going to fight that night. In case one of these guys has to pull out, we're still going to get a seriously good fight. It's either going to be Khabib versus Tony, Khabib versus Gaethje, or Gaethje versus Ferguson. And that's the only way to make this fight happen is have someone like Gaethje or McGregor on standby. But, you know, McGregor doesn't wait around like that. So realistically, you're just going to see Gaethje on standby. But that's the way they have to do it. They have to. That's my opinion. So let's say that if both these fighters win, yes, book it. If both these fighters lose their next fights, if Khabib loses to Poirier, if Ferguson loses to Cerrone... Yes, book this fight. Now, if either of these guys lose, it might not happen ever if both these guys lose. Uh, if Khabib loses, then Connor's going to get the rematch for sure against Khabib. And Tony's going to get Poirier if Khabib loses. So I think what you're going to see is Justin Gaethje fight Connor McGregor. And Tony and Khabib fight each other if they both win their fights. Thanks for the question, man. So the next fight we have is from at Shadow underscore. I think it's two underscores, 0203. His question is, do you really believe GSP will come out of retirement to fight Khabib? Uh, I absolutely do not believe that. GSP's not going down 155, and Dana's not going to do 165. So Khabib might have to come up to 170, but with no title on the line, GSP's not going to risk coming back to fight. So no, I don't think that fight will ever happen, but I like where your head's at. Next question is from at by fate 420 The question is, who do you have winning Cejudo versus Moraes? Okay, so Cejudo's not going to outpoint Moraes on the feet like Rafael uh, Asuncao did. So what Cejudo needs to do to win is to wrestle his ass off. He needs to take Moraes to the ground, make it a super boring fight. Do not make this an exciting fight for any fan. Take him to the ground and just smother him. That's the only way Cejudo's going to win. 
Uh, Murray's lost once in eight years, and the guy he lost to was a seriously strong and highly regarded wrestler who submitted him. Um, I think if Cejudo can use his wrestling the entire fight, he will win a decision against Murray's. But what I see happening is Murray's being too quick to catch, staying on his feet. I think Murray's is going to get a KO in the second round, uh, or we're going to see Cejudo get a decision. Those are my assumptions. Thanks for your question. And the next question is from at All American Rich. His question is okay, so Rich is asking. Say Stipe wins the rematch. Who does DC fight next? John Jones or back at Stipe? So if DC loses this next fight, he's going to retire. It depends how he loses. Like if it's a close decision, he's going to rematch Stipe. But if it's a KO, he's going to retire, I think. And he won't lose to Stipe and then John Jones. So if he loses to Stipe, he's not taking a John Jones trilogy and losing to both of them in a row. So he has to lose like a close decision to come to stay in and fight Stipe in a rematch. But if he gets KO'd again, I think it's retirement for DC, but I could be wrong. The next question we have is from at JSS. Okay. So it's, at J S Simpson S I M P S O N Media. At J S Simpson Media. His question is How do you think Sean O'Malley will handle his comeback fight? I think Vera's ground game might be an issue for O'Malley. We haven't seen O'Malley on his back that much. Uh, if he can close the distance, I got O'Malley by decision. But he needs to really keep this fight at range. He needs to keep Vera at the end of all of his punches. Not let him close the distance. O'Malley's a lanky guy. He hits hard too. He hits really hard and he's quick. So if Sean can just not get caught with the takedown and taken to the ground. uh, He should have a pretty decent fight. That will climb him up the rankings pretty substantially I think. Uh, If he gets taken down, there is a good chance he will get back to his feet too. I mean, he trains a lot of jujitsu, so he's very familiar with what it's like to have someone on top of him, but I'm not counting out Cheeto, man. Like, he is no joke. He's a tough competition for O'Malley, and I think anyone who says uh, Marlon Vera is going to win, I mean, I'm not going to say they're absolutely wrong, but I'm rooting for O'Malley. Um, I think he does pretty well against submission artists so far he's already retired two guys via head kick so it's a tough a tough fight for both guys but i'm rooting for o'malley i think he's gonna really show his true colors in this fight and you guys are gonna be surprised the next question is from at terry t-e-r-r-y a-v-f-c-9-1 Terry's question is, are there too many interim belt fights in the UFC? What criteria should be met within to merit an interim belt when champion should be stripped instead? So my take on the interim belt, this is a really good question, by the way. Um, you know, there are way too many interim belts. This is something that is pretty obvious. And 
you know, there is an appropriate time to strip, to vacate. I like kind of the idea of what they're trying to do with the interim belt, but the novice fan is the one who's going to buy into that. It doesn't really mean anything to legit MMA fans. The interim is there to sell pay-per-views and nothing more. It's kind of bullshit. And a lot of the times they don't fight the for the undisputed title after that. So, look, there needs to be responsibility from the champion. If you deny a fight, if you don't take a fight as a champ, you should have to be stripped. You are not champion if you're picking your fights, if you're looking for super fights. I mean, I think that was a big problem that Dana White and Tyron Woodley had with each other is that Tyron was trying to pick and choose what fights he was going to get his champ. Like, no, if you're champ, you're taking who the organization is giving you, who the fans want you to fight. So that's when you should get stripped. Uh, I think that if you don't have another title defense booked or announced within eight months after your last defense or of winning the title, that would be a good time to be forced to vacate. And for whatever your reason is that you have to vacate, then do it. But then when they come back, they should get an immediate shot at the title. That's my opinion. Uh, Okay, so the next question is from at war713. His name is Nando. At war. So the at sign and then war713. So his question is, how much pull do you think Khabib has now that he got his friends a lighter suspension to fight on his card so how much pull do you think khabib has now that he got his friends a lighter suspension to fight on his card so this is my opinion on that is khabib has all the pull right now khabib is the og of the ufc he's a gangster he's got the power he's 27 to know he's look i know as Conor McGregor fans and just UFC fans, a lot of people might find all that behavior inappropriate that happened in the post-fight brawl. Let's just move on. Let's just move on right now. No one got seriously hurt. It was entertaining. They can use that as promo. Let's just move on. If something like that happens again for a second time, lifetime ban. No exception. Right now, let the guys fight. Let's get Khabib back. Whatever it takes to get Khabib back right now. It's worth it. They want to fight on the same card in Abu Dhabi September 7th. Just do it. That's my opinion. Uh, Okay, so the next question. At the letter U, fuck E-R-U. So at the letter U, fuck E-R-U. Thanks for making me say fuck a bunch of times, man. Uh, The question is... Is McGregor's career heading down the same path as Ronda? Both have two losses in the UFC. So both only have two losses in the UFC. Okay, so... Fuck you, MMA. Regarding your question, I'm gonna have to say that no. They're completely different personalities. They're completely different circumstances and completely different options for the two people. Connor made a shit ton of money, way more than Ronda made so connor has proper 12 to fall back on ronda doesn't have anything like that she has commercials and like wwe um connor doesn't need anything he doesn't need to go to the wwe to make money he doesn't need another fight he he has everything he needs right now 
So the way I'm looking at it is that Ronda's more of kind of just like a sore loser and not necessarily involved in the UFC. Doesn't interact with fans, doesn't talk about it. Connor is just distracted right now, but he stays involved. Like he tweets, he talks shit. He's trying to call people out here and there. He's involved. I don't see, I wouldn't compare the two of them, not yet at least. I think completely different circumstances between the two. Uh, and then the next question is from at Blazing Glory 888. Blazing Glory 888. So Brad Figueroa is his name. His question is JDS versus all other top 15 heavyweights. So, I mean, look, I think JDS is already a legend. He can do it, man. He can do it. I, I would even advocate for uh, a Stipe fight again if JDS keeps winning like this. He does great. I, I can't go over every top 15 guy. I wish you gave me, like, select picks. But I'm not counting out JDS in anything. I think especially if he gets through Ngano in especially in good fashion... I mean, JDS is like 34, 35. He's not that old. And he's been looking good recently. So I think he does really well. Stop counting JDS out, people. Like, he can put it on still. I think he does really, really well against anyone in the top 15, and he's been showing that. Uh, but if you can tweet me again and ask me some specific picks, like certain guys you want to see him up against in the top 15 and what my opinion is, I'd love to do that. That sounds like fun, man. And the next question is from at retired BVC at retired BVC. His question is, are there any professional boxers that you feel would do well in MMA? This is a tough question because they're two completely different sports. And, you know, like what I see as a strong chance to win a fight if you're a new boxer is you have to have some type of Francis Ngannou effect, meaning... A puncher's chance. So maybe the heavier weight class is like a Deontay Wilder who hits arguably harder than Ngano. Maybe like an Anthony Joshua who's super athletic, really quick hands. But no lighter weight guys that are boxers would I want to see in the octagon. I think even a, a guy with two pro fights would dismantle a lot of the professional fighters right now in the lighter weights. Just because of the use of wrestling and jiu-jitsu and leg kicks. It's a different game, man. Different animal to be a mixed martial artist versus a boxer. But yeah, I do think there is potential in some other universe for Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua who possess that Ngano effect, which is what I'll call it, that puncher's chance. They would probably do well in MMA. And the last question we have is from at Kuza Honcho. So K... It's the at sign K-U-Z-A-H-O-N-C-H-O at Kuza Honcho. He has a really good question. His question is, what is your opinion on the gap between boxing and MMA when it comes to pay? And how can we see this change? Dude, amazing question. And it's talked about all the time. My opinion is, though, is that ego is attached to the sport of boxing. It's been around for a while. Those people are diehard fans. They're household names. And the thing about boxing is when you lose a few fights, you're pretty much irrelevant. Seriously. And that's not really the case in MMA. 
Um, there's much more money involved in boxing. Multiple promotions can go against each other, like Showtime and HBO and these things. Mayweather promotions. They can they can mix and match fighters and different promotions together with just which just naturally raises more money, if that makes sense. And their sponsorships make them a lot more money. So yeah, you'll see professional boxers going out there making millions of dollars per fight, and you're only seeing that in the really top tier guys in the UFC. Um, it will probably never be the same pay, to be honest with you. It, it probably won't be unless you have a whole country behind you, like boxers do. Like Canelo has Mexico, Triple G has Russia, Mayweather, he's got America behind him. These these UFC fighters need to literally become household names and have a country behind you the same way McGregor did, and then you'll get that McGregor pay, man. That's my opinion on it. Thanks so much for listening in, guys. Uh, follow me again at UFC Unwrapped on Twitter. I post a lot of cool video clips, and I interact with you guys. And if you guys submit questions to me, they'll always be talked about on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to getting more. And keep tuning in to the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone or the podcast app on Android. Uh, just type in UFC Unwrapped and there you can find the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it if you guys can rate, subscribe. Just let me know how you guys like it. Uh, it would mean a lot to me. Thank you so much and I'm looking forward to the next podcast. I will see you guys on Twitter at UFC Unwrapped.